Welcome to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast, a part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network. Dare I say the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports with, shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. Uh, This part isn't an ad read, but it's that time of year again, fantasy football orphan season at Dynasty Sports Empire every year. Uh, I talk myself into a nice abandoned dynasty roster that just needs a little love and a home and somebody to take care of it. Uh, I almost talked myself into one with Lamar Jackson today, but I don't need another fantasy team. Uh, Or do I? We'll see what happens there. Uh, On the show today, it's episode 31. We've been doing 31 of these, Tim. Uh, We've got Aaron Rodgers drama, Olympics drama with Simone Biles, college football conference drama. We also have to recap the NBA Finals because it wasn't over last week when I I did my pod and uh, preview the NBA Draft, which is tomorrow. Um, And the NFL preseason starts on August 1st. So we're about to ramp into full-on sports season. So as always, you can email us at dsethepodcast at gmail.com, at dsepodcast on Twitter, dsethepodcast on Instagram. Rate and review us with five stars on Apple Podcasts to help other people find us. If you give us a five-star review, obviously we'll read it on the pod. So definitely do that if you want to have your words read on the air. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman, and alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who has restructured his contract and is reporting to training camp, Tim Reinhardt. Welcome, Tim. Yeah, thanks for negotiating the offset language, um, unlike unlike the New York Jets. they just can't. Yeah, only the Jets would make it hard to sign their number one draft pick in a slotted, like you know, uh, salary with no, no no money to haggle over. I think they're the only one that doesn't have their their starting quarterback in camp right now. Well, maybe wow. not. I mean, well, uh, of the <laughs> that's not true, but of the uh, of the drafted players, um, those all those first round draft picks, the Jets don't have theirs in camp yet. Wow, I didn't. I I honestly didn't know it was that difficult to sign rookies. Uh, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't yeah. be. Nope. Um, but it's something about like, I guess there's, I, I don't really understand it. I, I did a little bit of Googling on it. It's basically like if you, if they cut the player, there's this language that off something offsets something else. I don't know. I, it seems like it's ridiculous. Um, and that there's no reason why a, a slotted contract where you're not negotiating any money, uh, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't already be done. So anyway, yeah, absolutely. Especially if, if you want somebody to start as a quarterback for this year and, yeah. and learn in the system, you should just sign them. And, you know, if, if you have to cut them, then, you know, you're starting over anyway. So Ch- chances are like, yeah. and the funny thing is like, yeah. So the GM that's, you know, negotiating this chances are, if you're cutting uh, the quarterback that you drafted number two, you're, you're not going to have a job. Anyway, right. so yeah, it's going to be somebody else's problem. Just, yeah, it's going to just sign the thing. Yeah, just sign the thing. Give them the give them the money. Sign the thing. And, yeah, let's go. You know, let them let them practice with the team. For God's sake. Uh, Speaking indeed. of practicing with the team, another quarterback who ended up showing up now after several months of back and forth was Aaron Rodgers. Restructured his contract or renegotiated his contract or something like that, um, but. Basically, the end of the day is that it made it easier for the Packers to trade him after this year, and he agreed to play for them this year. So he's back. That that drama is over. What do you think about that, Tim? Well, it, it's been a it's been a roller coaster from from the start, right? With um, uh, 
you had sent me a, a text that like the um the sports books were starting to take off the over under totals for the Packers right. because it seemed like perhaps they were leaning toward or he was leaning towards retirement. Um, so I, you know, here's my thought on it. Uh, the game of football, the NFL is a better league with Aaron Rodgers in it and with Aaron Rodgers, at least for this year as the quarterback of the green Bay Packers. Um, so I like it. Um, it seems like the details that you just mentioned that, you know, th- they've come to a little detente for, uh, for the year and, Maybe we'll be doing this all again, you know, a year from now or he'll get traded or whatever. But I think for right now, this is good for good for uh, the league, good for uh, good for football, uh, bad for Jeopardy, um, but uh, but good for everyone else. Yeah, I mean, they've got LeVar Burton now, so their their replacement level is uh, is much higher um, there. Um, And I agree with you. I think everybody got what they want. Aaron Rodgers really didn't have that much leverage because his only play was to retire. And I don't think he necessarily really wanted to do that. So um, the Packers still had him under contract for three more years. So they avoided one of those years. Um, And the Packers end up kind of a big win out of this too, because next year is going to be Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes season. Uh, Every team that wants a quarterback is going to try to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So, um, and, and every team who also probably already has a quarterback is going to try to trade yeah. Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, and the Packers are going to get an absolute haul out of that. So everybody wins here. As you said, I think it's the most natural um, conclusion to this soap opera. Um, and, and it's definitely good to see him back. So yeah. um, beyond that, uh, obviously we got the Olympics still going on a uh, big story of, I don't know, probably the whole Olympics at this point, um, was uh, Simone Biles dropping out of the uh, team competition in gymnastics, the best, basically the best gymnast there is. Um, did you watch that, uh, Tim, yesterday so live I, or on the replay? I, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen it, no. Um, real quick, I think I, I read somewhere um, that she is the, uh, how, how was it put, basically the most successful athlete in the history of sports. Like she's, she's been beat like her, you know, if you did a winning percentage uh, essentially for, for her, it would be through the, through the roof. So she, you know, she's the greatest gymnast, uh, women's gymnast of all time. It, it would seems um, having said that. Yeah. So I guess, um, what are they calling it? The, the twisties. Is that what, yeah. it's, is that the what first, it's called? That's the first I've heard of it uh, today or yesterday. Um, whatever day it was. Um, but yes. So I, it sounds like it's the yips in baseball um, for gymnasts only as we were talking about, I think the last time we did a podcast, we were talking about how just ridiculously insane. Like if I get the yips as a baseball player, the ball's going to go through my legs and, or maybe I'll like throw it, you know, 15, you know, Steve sacks it, so to speak, uh, past the first baseman. Um, if you got the twisties in your, doing all these things on the, on the, you know, the balance beam and the, the uneven bars or whatever, or, or the vault, like, man, you could probably, you could seriously hurt yourself. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think it's, there's a number of layers to this, right? There's like, she's the best gymnast and it would have been really fun to, because 
almost definitely would have been her last Olympics, right? Uh, she's 24, maybe yep. 23. Um, so it would have been cool to see, see her compete again. Um, at the same time, like it is bringing some attention and, um, some of it is, uh, probably very needed. And then others, other people that are commenting on it are, you know, in my opinion, just, you know, spouting off and whatever, but it's, it's good that like mental health and these issues of, uh, of yeah, mental health in sports is an important topic to, to discuss. And if she can be, you know, a bit of an ambassador for, for that, I think it takes a pretty difficult situation and, um, could, could do a lot of good with it. So, um, I hope that, you know, obviously she wanted to compete. Um, I, I, I hope that some good comes of, of what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, we, especially with, you know, I can't imagine being kind of the face of an entire Olympics for an entire country and, and a lot of the world too, where, you know, NBC basically was, was covering the Olympics as a Simone Biles event. Right. So, um, that kind of pressure, I, I just, I can't imagine. And and maybe that's kind of the, the pressure that, that turns in and the pressure and stress that turns into that kind of, um, you know, Chuck Knobloch, Rick Ankiel. Yeah. Oh, Rick Ankiel. Right. Yeah. Only quite a bit more dangerous. Um, you know, and I, and I think there's, um, some stigma a little bit attached with saying, oh, well, it's a mental problem, right? It's, it's, that makes it somehow lesser. But I think in this case, it's literally mental. Like the mind was not telling the body what to do in the right way, right? It's literally a, a, a mind communicating to the body issue. Um, yeah. So I, I read like a thing that she, sorry to cut you off. I read a thing she said no. where it was like, your body, or I think it was her, it's like your body just is doing more spins than you, than you had, anti- or like than you had planned. And you don't even really know that it's happening. Right. I was like, I, th- to me that like, I don't understand that at all, but like, I've, you know, haven't done more, more than a cartwheel in you know, <laughs> the, the <laughs> last like, uh, 10 years. So, or like a somersault, you know, it's so, like, I, I, that, that is unfathomable to me. Like, I can't, I, I, I can't understand it. Um, so like for me, you know, I think the people that are criticizing her for dropping out and quitting or, or whatever, um, or like not being tough enough. It's like, well, right. You know, that seems, seems kind of silly. Um, and maybe those, you know, that's just the clickbait stuff and uh, right. pay, should pay no attention to it. But I, I'm glad that she's talking like that, that she's talking about the mental health piece of it. Um, because like you said, it's, it's not any less serious than a, than a, uh, pulled hamstring or torn ACL or whatever. Right. And I think the, the physical injuries are easier to talk about, right? My ankle's broken. That's the end of it. But the, the mental part of it is, is much more complex and harder to talk about. And I think just like the, um, issue with the sprinter that I talked about last week, this is another, what I'll, I'll coin as an Iliad situation where, uh, a a situation loss launches 10,000 hot takes or millions of hot takes because yeah. There's, there's more hot takes than chips in the Iliad at this point. Yeah. Um, because it's just so many layers of different things going on. And I think a, a lot of what contributed to it was that 
it was not necessarily people weren't necessarily watching it live. Some people were, but it wasn't like a live event where people could really see what was going on. It was like, oh, this this push alert, this tweet, this whatever, like, yeah. you know, and it kind of run with that kind of not misinformation, but partial information. And it turns into a whole thing and it just gets rolling downhill before anybody has a chance that that participated as a chance to even say, um, you know, one thing about it. So, um, you know, obviously this is probably the end of her career. She's quite successful already. I think on the broadcast a couple of days ago, they said that she has six moves named after her, um, because she's the first one to ever do them. Yeah, so, yeah. um, that is, you know, a legacy that will pretty much live on for her for the rest of her life. And she's already in so many commercials that I can't keep track of. Um, so I, I think she's doing quite fine. And, but I hope that she, um, can get past this. Um, probably her Olympics are done, but, um, you know, feel comfortable doing anything in the future without, you know, feeling like you're going to hurt yourself very seriously. I, yeah. It's a, a good thing. So I, I guess she also has, um, I guess she also has like a, a leotard line for um, like her own apparel okay. line. Uh, so yeah, I mean, she's going to be, she's, she's going to be just fine. Um, like in terms of like her well being. uh, like she's not going. To, what I mean by that is she's not going to grow destitute because she pulled out of these <laughs> yes. Olympics. I guess is my yeah. point. Um, yeah. But I, I yeah, I, I think she's in a unique position where she's got a. And I just before I even say that, like we forget, like these. She and she's an older athlete in the mm-hmm. Olympics. She's twenty, but she's still only twenty four. Imagine like. Right. Remember, like, what we were like when we were 24? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, um, so I guess, like, she's got a unique platform to to talk about something that's important, I think, that, like you said, doesn't get um, doesn't get treated as as important. Um, and, like, there people that, that have these kinds of, like, um, you know, like, I actually haven't read it. I really need to. I have the book, but like Rick Ankeel, after all that, like he went through some really, really difficult personal, um, personal stuff um, that largely stemmed from his, you know, get having basically the yips, and like it, it was something I, I do know. It was something that like he felt he couldn't talk about, and like, and it was really hard for him. So I, I guess like you know when we see. And they, these are athletes, right? So, like, then there, are, then there are people like normal people, like you and me, that that could have the twisties or the yips and you know whatever other field. Um, and so, anytime that somebody has, you know, the the ability to, uh, someone, I, I hope, I guess, uh, she is able to use her platform and talk about this, and you know that the that the so called haters. Um, uh, you know, are not too much because I feel like these are some really serious, really serious, um, things that people should be talking about, but are stigmatized to not talk about. Um, and you know, I, I'm just Googled her. I'm seeing like across the, uh, like there's a headline that Justin Bieber, like came out and said, uh, gave a, a quote of support. And like, to me, that's cool because there's another person that like went through some, uh, difficult mental health stuff. And like, it's better when we're able to express all this stuff and 
not feel like it's a stigma that you got to shove further deep down inside. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, um, you're absolutely right on all of that. And I just wanted to make two more points before we move on to our next topic here is that um, number one, I think, you know, I, I look at it a lot because the Olympics obviously were pushed back a year. You see a lot of people that were um, put at an advantage because it was a year later. Some people who wouldn't been old enough for the Olympics, some people who um, had a bad year in 2020, had a better year in 2021 to even get to the Olympics. But I think she was disadvantaged because she's on the older end of a a gymnast. And she said, okay, I'll give it one more ride. Right. Uh, And then she's got to wait another year to give it another ride. So I think that kind of um, gave her uh, a little bit more time that she didn't necessarily need to both um, get a little bit older for a gymnast, right. And, and, and get kind of in, in her head, so to speak, I guess about training and being the face of the whole Olympics um, all over again. Um, And the other thing I think that I talk with my wife a lot about is that we, we kind of lionize that Carrie Strug type thing where um, an athlete or in this case, a gymnast is hurt and is goes out and competes anyway and you know is is victorious right um and she she was the one with like the sprained ankle right yeah i think she broke an ankle and broken ankle did the vault anyway and the coach like carried her to the metal stand yeah yeah, exactly right so you know later we found out that that coach and his wife were terrible people enabling um abusers and they were like abusing the um, gymnasts themselves but all that aside, right. we, it's a loaded, we, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot, there's layers, right? We've been yeah. talking about this for a little bit anyway, but there's layers and layers and layers on everything here. Um, and obviously, um, um, Simone Biles was coached by them and also, you know, a victim of the abuse that was, uh, was rampant in, in that organization um, several years ago. So yeah. Um, all that being said, right, that's a huge amount of thing that I'm just going to push to the side um, that we lionize this kind of athlete who triumphs over injury. Um, but I think, you know, people say, Oh, well, Carrie Strug did it all. You know, all of these people came back from injury and, and did this, you know, why can't she just push through or whatever, you know, like tough out, tough it out or whatever. Um, which is baloney. Right. First of all, say, um, says, you know, I know you're not saying this, but like I'm, I'm using us as an example, say, it's the it's the like late 30 you know 30s guys sitting at their computer who are like right. <laughs> telling right. her to, yeah. to tough it out yeah. like not come on. yeah not even not even at their computer on the couch with a yeah. bowl of uh cheetos and yeah and, right and a brewski um and their phone you know sitting on their beer belly um but i think what we we, we point to those things like they happen all the time but we, what we don't see is the athletes who push through and injures themselves even more, right? The person who pushes through a broken ankle and, you know, fractures their tibia because they can't push off their leg. Or we don't see that because it happens in practice or in a non tele you know, gymnastics is televised for a week every four years. So there's so much gymnastics that goes on outside of that week um, that players, competitors will push through things um, when they shouldn't and get hurt. Right. And then their Olympic dream or their career dream is, is completely ruined. So um, I, I think that's that's something it's kind of a mistake. I understand why we do it, why we lionize those types of events. Um, but it it might 
in the end, you know, send the wrong message to people who are, who are trying to uh, not hurt themselves further. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when in, in the circumstance where it's sort of this, like, like it's not a typical physical injury, like, like we were saying. So yeah, even, even different than that. Yeah, exactly. So um, we'll move on. Well, before we move on from the Olympics, is there any, what is the best sport so far? It's been, it's been going for like almost a week. What's, yeah. what's your best sport that you've seen? So, um, I or got best moment or, or whatever. Yeah. It's, ah, great question. So I, I just, I think we talked about this before. Like I, I really enjoy watching the, um, the more obscure or non-traditional put it that way sure. sports. So, like right now, like as we're doing this, like I have the golf on and like, you know, not half these guys are well, not half. I'm sure they're all like professional golfers and like you can turn on your TV and watch golf any weekend. Um, but like the other day I watched um, uh, like part of a uh, fencing gold medal match. And I think it was the a woman from the United States that won. I forget her name um, mm-hmm. is like a she's a I think she's a med student like. Right. So, you know, these the these truly amateur athletes that, you know, go out and fence like that's um, that's something that I, I think is is really cool to see. So um, I appreciate those. I, I watched some of that. I watched uh, some team handball today, which, you know, is always a good time. Some water polo um, the, the other day. Uh, I, I saw some of the, um, I, I forget who won, but I saw the, um, the one swimmer that beat Katie Ledecky, um, mm-hmm. who like grew up, you know, idolizing Katie Ledecky and then went out and, and, uh, beat her in, in, um, in the actual Olympics this year. So it's things like stories like that are, are fun and cool. Um, so I, I sort of pay attention to those. I don't know. What, what have you gleaned so far? Yeah, so that would that would be Ariane Titmus, yes. who, who won uh, beat Katie Lucky. So the the things that I enjoy are when people win who don't aren't expected to win. Um, I like that in regular you know regular everyday sports too when you see an upset. But um, the the moment I guess that I enjoyed it's not a not a out of the way uh, sport, but um, when the United States swimmer from Alaska won the hundred meter breaststroke and uh she's from a like a very small town in alaska and they had the video of her friends gathered at school watching the race and they're going like absolutely nuts turning the like the place into a mosh pit yes um, as, as she is like coming back and somehow winning over the you know heavily favored thing i just you know uh that's the kind of moments that really make it for me because it's just someone out of nowhere there's a, uh, a celebration video, you know, just checks all the boxes for me. Yeah. Is it, is it Lydia Jacoby? Is that? Yes, that is it. That's her. her yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. You know what? I, I, um, how, how do you feel when that is not an American athlete or like that? Where, so like the women's women's soccer team uh, heavily favored, they, um, they lose, um, or the men's basketball team, uh, loses to France. I saw that game the other day. Like those are, those are upsets. Do you, 
do you appreciate those as much uh, because they're upsets or um, is it like not as exciting because they upset American athletes or teams in those cases? That's a good question. And you're, 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 you're getting at me here and I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) But I would say, I would say that, you know, in general, I do root for the American teams. So um, when it's an upset over an American team, I'm not necessarily as excited. Um, the USA basketball, I kind of am disconnected from them a little bit. Um, that that one has a whole mess of issues itself. So I don't, I don't really feel a connection with them. So if they get upset, that's really um, not that big of a deal. And plus the, the people on the other side, we'll, we'll segue here into basketball a little bit, but the, the players on the other side of on France is full of NBA players, right? Right. You, you look at Australia, they have NBA players. You look at Spain, they're packed with NBA players. So um, I guess I don't feel that um, scrappy underdog feel from them, right? It's just like Utah against Miami, right? <laughs> um, in the NBA. Um, right. So it, just a, an, another game, but it's, you know, not... it's not necessarily for them, right? France is like, super powered up to beat USA. Right. Um, yeah. And the U S is kind of like, ah, you know, uh, I just flew here from the NBA finals. So I'm a little bit tired. You it, you're right. It's, it's different. Like it's not, um, it's not like 1992 where it was like the dream team. And then I think like it was, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Probably like uh, Drazen Petrovic, I think is the guy who was like the the, right. other, the other NBA player that played for probably, I think it was Croatia. Um, you know, and it, it's not like that anymore. They're, they're NBA players on, on all these other, uh, on all these other rosters. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the, the MVP voting this year in the NBA, it's uh, Nikola Jokic, who's out from outside the country, some Serbian country, I think Serbia, maybe uh, I apologize <laughs> for not knowing where he's from. Uh, Joel Embiid, who's from Africa, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Luka Doncic, who's from Serbia. So, um, and Giannis, who's from Greece, right? So even the top players in the league this year were from outside the U.S. So I think, you know, it's very clear that the rest of the world is caught up to the U.S. However, let me circle back around to answer your question here in that there was a, another swimming moment in which a Tunisian swimmer won the... I forget what it was, um, but basically he was on that far outside lane. So he wasn't a high right, right. qualifier and he just was like, you know, swam the the meat of his life and won. And, uh, you know, you kind of see that reaction from him that he was just so incredibly excited and cheering and didn't wasn't expected to even be on the medal stand and just beat everybody. Um, so, you know, I'm not so American centric with my uh uh, you know, underdog rooting. Um, but you know, a lot of the stories obviously that we get are American centric because I just watch NBC. Um, right. But I will, I'll root for, I'll root for any underdog. Um, hopefully that underdog is not facing off against the United States. Uh, Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I if that, if that answers your question in a very roundabout way, I feel like I'm the same way. Like we, we like these, we like these fun stories. Um, and I guess like it doesn't, if they're professional athletes, like I wouldn't mind if, I, I don't know who, who's 
out here playing on the in this golf uh, tournament right now um, that isn't uh, on on tour somewhere. But yeah, it'd be kind of cool if somebody came and beat you know Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley and uh, you know Rory McIlroy, uh, even even though he's not an American. Um, like I, I think when there are the I'm less, I, I, I don't, this is going to maybe sound unpatriotic. Um, I don't like if it's the pro guys or like the team, the team sports, like the upsets don't against American uh, teams or pros don't bother me or not that they bother me anyway, but like I, 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 I'm okay with those. Um, I, I do, I think like inherently root for like, it would have been cool for Katie Ledecky to have won that um, uh, um, uh, gold medal, and so like I, I I do root. I guess I'm with you to a, to an extent. Was what I'm trying to say. I don't think that made yeah. any sense. So just you know, fast forward through the last uh, minute and a half of me ramb- <laughs> rambling through my. I mean, when I'm watching when I'm watching swimming, I'm like, okay, which lane is the American in? Let me follow that person to like yeah. root, root for them. Like, I absolutely will, one hundred percent. And then again, I don't necessarily know who's the underdog and the you know the favored people in swimming as much either. Um, so, yes. So we both answered your question. Great question in a very kind of roundabout way. Yeah, <laughs> I think that gets to kind of the complexities here when you're rooting for underdogs, but also you're rooting for United States, which is yeah. the t- the country that wins the most medals every summer Olympics. So um, you can hold two thoughts in your mind at the same time. So um, let, let's go quickly and talk about um, college football. Uh, yeah. Conference <laughs> drama. Um, the, I, there's not an, a, a whole lot here, but basically Texas and Oklahoma said, to the Big Ten, we're opting out. Twelve, like, Big Twelve, Big Twelve, Big Twelve. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Big Twelve. Yeah. Uh, Scared that, me that for a second there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, opting out of the Big Twelve in 2025 and going to join the SEC, which is going to turn the SEC into some kind of blob of massive, uh, who knows what? Right. Yeah. Every like half the teams in the country are going to be in the SEC at that point. So, um, it seems like to me, and I'll let you answer this question. This seems like. A, a death blow to the big 12 what happens next after this is it a death blow what happens so i guess there are people yeah i i think at that point if you're the acc for example you got to go get like west virginia um you know maybe even um like i'm, I'm trying to uh, Oklahoma state, even though they're not even close to not that geography matters for this stuff anymore. Um, I I think it puts the ACC in a position where they need to like try to scoop up uh, some of the, some of the remains of the, of the big 12. Uh, I read or heard somewhere yesterday that there are people that want the big 10 and pack 12 to, uh, to fuse. Um, or at least part of the Big Twelve, or excuse me, uh, part of the Pac-12, um, to uh, to join in with the with the Big Ten. Um, I don't know. I I, th- I think for a while we've been headed towards at least in college football uh, four conferences, um, right. where you've got the Pac-12, Big Ten, the ACC, and the SEC, and 
it seems like things have been generally at least in like these power five whatever um uh seems like we've been trending in that way for a little while once the um the big east disbanded years ago um and became a, what are they the, the american conference or something like that now um yeah. so yeah i think we're we're on the questions like what will happen to Notre Dame? Um, are they going to be, you know, need to find, and they play ACC, I think in everything else, but football. Um, but they're more geographically aligned to be in the big 10. Um, so I don't know. It, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's all, you know, all about the money. Like we've, like, like we've talked about um, before. So I guess it's just college football being being college football. Now, one thing that I I think when we you and I started like texting about this, I didn't realize it wasn't going to be until like four more years. So there is quite a bit of time to like sort all this out. Uh, it's not like they're jumping ship after next season, right? And I think that that uh, allows time for the different puzzle pieces to fit uh, in place, um, and it seems like. I would guess the Big 12 is probably uh, toast and the ACC better, you know, get their act together. Otherwise, they're going to be the little brother conference. Um, but, you know, there's there's going to be teams that are out there floating around. Um, so um, if they snag Notre Dame and West Virginia and say, you know, Texas Tech and somebody like you know, maybe Baylor, Oklahoma state, they could, they could probably have a pretty good conference. So they, they definitely need to grab whoever, you know, uh, whoever's left on the dance floor that they can. So um, that'll be interesting um, to see where that ends up. But again, four years until that turns into something. So, yeah. so I, I we're 33 minutes in, uh, I had a rant, all uh, NBA related rant, all queued up. Yeah, um, let's go. If, if you want to learn, uh, put that into um, motion here. Let's go. Um, so last week I talked about on my rant, I guess I have a weekly rant now, um, that, <laughs> that the games start incredibly late, right? They start at nine fifteen, nine twenty, which uh, is phenomenal when you're vacationing in, um, in Colorado, by the way, there you go. Seven um, o'clock game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. not so much when you're on the East coast. Right. And so, um, the, the as I said last week is that the, beginning of the game is not even the most important part of the game. It's the end of the game, right? So uh, game six of the NBA finals ended Milwaukee Bucks won, obviously. Um, so ended about 1145, you know, it gets close to midnight. They do the, the trophy thing. Um, and, and my, my piece, I guess for today is that I don't understand this in American sports that it doesn't happen in European sports or any other sports, right. Or, or the Olympics even, right the they award the trophy right uh the commissioner comes up and talks la 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 congratulations right and then hands the trophy to an old guy who didn't did nothing right but signed the checks uh right. i don't understand why the the players even the coach right they are competing in the event and they are the crowned champions and then they hand the the um the trophy to somebody who has nothing to do with it at all except for being the owner of the team and signing the checks and and getting the financial windfall for them winning i mean i think that person whomever they are doesn't matter which sport should probably just stay in their box and uh you know 
they can get a ring or, or get some bling or touch the trophy later, right? But the first person to touch the trophy should not be the owner. It should be the captain, the coach, somebody who actually had participated in the actual game of winning the game. You know what I'm saying? A hundred percent agree. I don't, I I don't, I don't think it. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I I don't know why the owner is the one that is presented with the trophy. Um, It should be probably, I guess in professional sports, I could see the coach being the, the one presented and even then I you know I'd love it for a coach to like say no I'm I'm good I'm going to let you know uh let my my captain or or you know the MVP or whatever it is uh or you know just present it to the whole team I don't know it it, it does right. it does sort of burn me a little bit uh the wrong way that that the owners are the are the ones that are presented with the trophy I'm with you 100% Right. And you, if you look at soccer in any any kind of like soccer championship, right, all the guys and all the guys or gals or whomever on the team gather around and then the the person, the dignitary presents the trophy to the captain in the middle, holds they they all jump and they they hold the trophy up and like um, everything uh, confetti spews everywhere and they jump up and down. And it's a beautiful, wonderful scene with no speeches at all, yeah. which is the, another good part about it, right? Is that they hand the trophy, they dance around, everybody, they pass it around, right? Everybody gets their moment holding it. Um, so that's a much better model. And and however, all of that being said, right? The people who can make the decision about uh, who the trophy gets passed to are the owners, right? And they're not going to, they're not going to say 30 of them aren't going to get together and say, you know what? I don't want my TV time. Right. I don't want that trophy when we win a championship. I want to let somebody else handle it. You know, I'll just stay in the background. Right. You own a sports team and put billions of dollars in and get billions more out of it um, so that you can hold up that trophy uh, first. Right. Yeah. um, Something that's not going to change in American sports, but something that always, always grinds my gears, as they say. Yeah. I, 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 I'm with you. I, don't like it one bit. Um, I I'd be all about passing that uh, an owner passing that buck along, so to speak. Yep. So um, let's let's quickly talk about the NBA. Um, I have a couple of NBA items before we uh, get out of here. Um, so obviously, Milwaukee Bucks win the championship. They come down from um, two games down uh, to win in six games, four games in a row, which is a tremendous uh, tremendous job by them. Uh, performance, you know, uh, going down O2, they pretty much seemed like they were toast. Um, yeah, didn't look so, good for a while. Yeah, so that that is tremendous. And uh, Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo, excuse me, did a good uh, job. Thank you. Uh, won the MVP uh, of the finals. Uh, and you know, I think first thing I'll say is that this was a victory for like Milwaukee, a small market, right? They're going against Phoenix, a smaller market as well. Um, so a non coastal, right. And not Brooklyn, Miami, LA, Boston, um, golden state, right. Not one of those type of teams. So that's great to see. Another thing that's great to see is that, um, 
we were already had been gearing up for Giannis free agency, right? Miami has been sniffing around him for two years, waiting for him to become a free agent so that they could lure him to Miami, right? Um, several other teams were doing so as well. But instead of that, before this year or last year, I'm getting all my years mixed up, he signed an extension with Milwaukee, right? This is almost becoming so rare to see that a superstar signs an extension with the team that drafts them when, you know, greener pastures were calling, um, so to speak. So that was great to see an actual drafted, developed superstar in a small market um, wins it for the team yeah. that he was drafted for. And the Tim, I'll let you go ahead on that one before well, I go just, to and, and not, yeah. as we've, as we said, not one of these manufactured super teams Yep. that um, where guys got together and decided, oh, let's go to Milwaukee. Um, yep. No, I mean, it, it's cool that this is how it, it went down the way it did. It's cool that it's a, that um, the big name is like you said, a homegrown player. And I got to like him a little bit. Um, just, you know, I, I obviously knew he existed, um, but I guess he was catching a lot of criticism during that, um, during that net series. And um, I, I was, it just didn't seem like it was in any way, um, justified. And then that whole thing, the, the, I guess it went viral among like the coaching circles. I don't know if it went viral everywhere else when he was like, uh, you know, I guess maybe he was asked about like the previous game and he said something like, I don't, I don't even, you know, I don't look back because that's just, that's, that's my ego. If I do like it's, I'm on to the next thing already. Um, and I thought that was a cool, um, a cool moment where, you know, you get to see a professional athlete um, sort of being um, a bit humble and, and, and uh, you know, not feeling like they needed to uh, sing their own praises from, from a previous game and, and realizing what, what's important is what's happening next and not what happened in the past. So I, I liked, I, I liked all those things from, from Giannis. Yep. And, and one of the, you know, things that kind of speaks to his, his workmanship and his character and his, you know, um, toughness in, in a way is that, you know, on the year he was like a 50 or 60% free throw shooter. Um, not a great free throw shooter at all. Um, and then in game six, the clinching game, he hit 16 of 17 free throws, Yeah, which he scored 50 for, points or something, right? He scored 50 points. But for me, like, I mean, he scores 50 points. I don't know. Not that often, but often enough. More often than he makes 16 out of 17 free throws. Yeah. So to me, that is flabbergasting because he was so bad. Like everything looked terrible coming out of his hand. Clank, clank, clank. Right. A few of them went in just out of sheer momentum. And it, clinching game six, he at home, right? He just switched them like there were so many swishes and the form looked perfect i don't know what he changed or what he did or like just to change that on the fly in a series and to play at that level in a clinching game is just remarkable so uh, that part to me was completely flabbergasting they just he just kept making them it, it just kept going in um so you know you it's just great to see that kind of height of uh, performance at, at that level 
Yeah, and he's still, you know, he's still a young man. He's 26, I think, and yep. you know, this is uh, hopefully the beginning of of like what's a really cool, um, cool run that he can he can put himself on. So I think it's uh, I think it's great. I, it, it got put it this way. It got me watching basketball. Um, All right, here we go. I don't. I haven't watched an NBA game in you know a long time or like paid attention really to the NBA in a long time. And it, it was a cool, I thought the bucks, um, but, and also not, uh, uh, the Suns as well, um, were a cool story to follow. Yep. And yeah, absolutely. Take nothing away from the Suns story. Great story. Another kind of homegrown team, um, that pulled in a, a star at the end of their, uh, build had a great bubble, right? They won every game in the bubble. Um, and they were really fun to watch and added a star and, and just took them to the next level. So Suns are a yep. great story too. Um, hopefully they can re- repeat that, that story, uh, in the next season. So Tim, now that you're interested in the NBA, are you going to be watching the NBA draft tomorrow night? Thursday don't, night? Don't, don't, don't get too <laughs> crazy now. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll pay attention to it probably, but I, I, I don't, I mean, okay. I don't think I'll watch it live. No. Yeah, so I think I, I enjoy the NBA draft, one of my favorite nights of the year, because it's it's kind of a wild night of, of deals and swapping and and um, players dropping all over the place and guys just showing up at the uh, buying a ticket like a fan and, and coming out of the stands when they get picked um, because they didn't get invited to the green room. And um, it's just kind of a wild, uh, a wild. And I love every draft. Like I'll, I'll talk about it every single draft. I don't care. Um, so. Um, this is kind of what looks like um, a little bit of a four-player draft at the top. Not any LeBron or Zion or Anthony Davis level players here, but um, probably four pretty good all-stars at the top. Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State is projected to go number one to Detroit. Um, Jalen Green, who opted out of college and went and played in the G League instead. So he's playing against adults in the G League um last year so he should go number two to the rockets um evan mobley from a center from usc should go third to cleveland and jalen suggs who we all remember from march madness from gonzaga um probably should go fourth to the toronto raptors after that i'm not going to get into all those different players um we can talk about them a little bit when it gets close to fantasy basketball season um but beyond that it should probably be a little bit crazy um, so I'm definitely looking forward to the draft. I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, scouting, scouting notes for you, Tim, but, um, it, it's, it's shaping up to be a fun one. I think. What do you, so what is it about? Cause you, you kind of get this way about like all drafts. Um, I mean, you, I, you, I think you, it's fair to say you like drafts, right? I do. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. what do you like the wheeling and dealing? What about a draft gets you, gets you going? Yeah, I mean, I think there. When you look at a draft, you look at the kind of infinite possibilities of what your team could draft or what what they could turn into, right? Um, it could be a, a player. You could do. You could pull a, a, a you know a draft pick swap and and get a player, the existing player instead. So there's a, a lot of wheeling and dealing, certainly. And I think that kind of it sells the hope of the future for your team, right? Mm. If you pick, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a player that you've never heard of, it, that kind of like, you're just like pit of your stomach. Like, oh no, like they they did it again. They screwed this one up. Like there's so much like snap, um, 
you know, armchair analyst stuff that can happen, which is, which is, you know, pretty much meaningless (laughs) (laughs) because you you have no idea really what's going to happen. So I think that's the fun of it is that you have no idea what's going to happen, but the, the fun of it is also you've, you've created this kind of, um, idea of who you want in your head and what should happen in your head, right? I just read off what I think is in the first four picks. It's probably not going to go that way. Um, so I think the wheeling and dealing, I certainly like the, the kind of selling the, the future is what I like. Um, you know, it, it's, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, I think it's just the, the strategy of it, right? Getting the player um, that you want at your spot is what I find fascinating okay. as well. Um, so I'll watch any draft. Um, I, I think it's it's fascinating. So yeah, it's I, I think there's there's an like, and maybe because we now do our own like drafts as our you know in our fantasy worlds, like um, it, it's kind of cool to to play. This is what I would do, or or just like I guess right. um, the. I think one of the reasons I like I like watching drafts um, is because or paying attention to them is the the shock of some some team doing something that we didn't expect them to do uh, right. for some reason that that interests me. Um, so I'll I'll pay attention to it. I know some of the I mean I, I know some of the names, um, but you'll 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 be. Um, pulling up the, uh, the, the grunt work on this one next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will certainly get, be taking the lead on the review. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, a lot of these players we know from the uh, NCAA tournament or, yep. or even, you know, before the NCAA tournament um, when we talked about um, college basketball. So that, that helps the draft a lot because you, you kind of know who these players are ahead of time. So that, same thing with with the NFL draft, obviously. NFL has the advantage that you get three years um, ish to watch uh, those players. This is one yeah. or less, um, so that it's a little bit more. And there's international guys, right? Those are the guys that 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 tend to come out of the uh, come out of the woodwork towards the end of the draft. So that's always right. always fun, always fun moments. Then and uh, talk about on Twitter for sure. Um, so that's that's it for the NBA for now. Um, I guess the only other thing I had on on the list for today was that NFL preseason starts on the on the first this yeah, weekend. I don't really have a lot of news or notes or, or stuff to discuss. It just it's here. It's it's already started. Do do you watch Hard Knocks? I don't. No. Okay. Um, I really <clears throat> that's that's one of my favorite uh, favorite parts about NFL preseason. Um, so I, I'm not sure when that starts airing. Probably the next week. I think there's usually a week lag, um, right. but I think those are those are always fun. It should be it should be fun this year uh, to get an in because it's the Cowboys. A uh, bit of an inside look at Dak Prescott. Um, I obviously you know I like Ezekiel Elliott, um, and then talk about like underdog stories, HBO films, I guess is or whatever. Uh, usually does a really good job of highlighting various players that are on the bubble to make a roster. And, you know, you get to, you need to sort of follow along and, and uh, you know, root for those guys as well. So um, I, I get into it. Um, it's, it, it should be, should be fun this year, especially with the team that it is and 
Um, so that that's one of the things I'm looking forward to with the preseason. Absolutely. So that starts on August 10th at 10 PM on HBO. So, yep. um, I, I will, uh, I'll try to watch that one. Um, Dallas Cowboys are always good for, uh, storylines or 1200 storylines. Yeah. So I, I think you can't full of it. You can't, you can't beat the, the team that it, you know, it's, it's going to be Jerry Jones and, you know, the personalities that are involved are, are just going to be great. Right. Absolutely. So I'll watch that. I'll try to watch that. We can definitely talk about it. Yeah. So um, looking forward to that as well. Um, so this is where I ask you, Tim, I'll give you a heavy lead in to, um, and I'll go first to just give you a chance to talk about what you want. Um, what I'm watching this week is, is or what I'm keeping my eye on, I should say, um, is the Olympics. Because every single night I sit down uh, after cleaning up, I sit down and watch the Olympics for like three straight hours. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's on, uh, diving, swimming, track and field, uh, gymnastics, watch the Olympics every night, three hours, go to bed incredibly late, uh, yep. every single night. So that's what I'll be, um, keeping my eye on. What about you? Um, I will, I'll be doing the same thing. Um, but I'll also be keeping my eye on the Major League Baseball trade deadline, oh, which yeah. I believe is two days from now on Friday. Um, see if there are any any big names um, that that are you know Max Scherzer is being being rumored about. Uh, this is usually the time where I'm I just keep MLB trade rumors like up on my um, up on my desktop and keep hitting refresh. Um, you know, every so often just to see what, what else is coming. Um, you know, we've, we've been on as Cardinals fans on the sort of receiving end of some pretty, pretty monster trades, um, in the past. Uh, so it, it's, it's something that I, I don't know, I guess kind of like how you like drafts. I, I kind of like following the trade deadlines, fun to, fun to, see what wheeling and dealing what players are moving and all that um what teams are gonna you know make a make a run for it what teams are gonna sell um so it it'll be fun to uh fun to pay attention yeah absolutely and and uh, i'm with you with that 100 percent. and also right after the nba draft is the nba free agency and trading season that really starts getting going so that's another wheeling and dealing season that we have coming up here so um i i will accept your nomination um, okay and and so um i'm gonna go ahead and go with keep your eyes glued to the baseball trade deadline and keep your ears glued to dynasty sports empire the podcast and we will talk to you next week sounds good man see ya see ya um this, I, don't know, uh, I don't know if you heard me last week like struggle through that like three times. Um, listen, it's an adventure every time, and, and you nailed it that time right there. Decided um, to start writing it down. So if you're going to do some late night uh, Olympics watching um, on the Golf Channel, the la- I think it's the last group is Sung J M, uh, Rory McIlroy, and Colin Morikawa. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so that'll be a fun Star one. Star studded. Yeah. Is that, that, right, is that, is that happening right now? It's happening right now. And I mean, the, if, if the caption is to be believed, it is live. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Just like Spaceballs, what you see now is happening. <laughs> you love that. I do. <laughs>